I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be here sharing with you lessons I've learned, conversations I've had that will equip you to create new habits, challenge mindsets, and build relationships that will allow your family to thrive. Comparison, anxiety, and stress can significantly impact children's lives, but parents can play a crucial role in modeling healthy emotional management. This week's guest is Mary Holloman, who is a writer, and she's passionate about communicating deep truths through story-driven writing. She's a contributing author of three books and has written for many online publications. Her most recent book is called The Anxious Lily. It's a children's book that offers encouragement for children who struggle with fear and, you guessed it, anxiety. In our conversation today, we discuss the comparison trap that we're all tempted to fall into and how to help our kids understand God's sovereignty in challenging times. We don't stop there, though. Mary gives us some practical tips on how to model healthy ways of managing anxiety so that we can create a supportive environment in our homes. Before we go to the conversation, I want to ask you, are you looking for a fun and meaningful way to connect with your family this summer? Why not go on a family retreat? I've talked about it in some podcasts before, but I just wanted to remind you about it. A family retreat is an excellent opportunity to have a fun time together and get feedback from your kids on how you're doing as a family so that you can take what you learn and grow together and support each other on your incredible journey. I have an incredible resource that's called the Family Retreat Packet that will help you host your retreat easily and confidently. Inside that packet, you'll find a sample itinerary with a handy packing guide and exciting activity suggestions. But that's not all. The core of the Family Retreat Pack, what makes the Family Retreat so unique is those discussions that you'll have. Our packet has discussion worksheets that will guide you through important conversations about your family's dynamic. Your kids will be able to answer questions like, what is your favorite thing about our family? What do you like least about our family? And what do you need more of from mom and dad? I think you'll be surprised by the answers that you get. Our packet is an instant download. However, we have added a digital option so that you can answer the questions online. But it doesn't end there. We provide a follow-up plan to create accountability for personal growth, ensuring that there will be lasting and positive changes in your family. So say goodbye to the hassle of planning a family retreat and hello to a memorable time together. You can visit buildyourbestfamily.com forward slash resources to get your family retreat packet today. Welcome, Mary. It is incredible to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So a question we ask all of our guests is, what is your family known for? That is such a good question. And I had to think about it a lot. because I was like, oh man, what would people say about our family? I asked my son who's eight and he said, oh, definitely that we love pizza. Oh. So <laughs> that would be one thing, I guess. I was like, he's not wrong because we eat and make a ton of pizza. Yeah. Um, I would also probably say though, that we're big readers. We read all the time together and individually. We love to read books like multiple times and then to act them out and, you know, do mm-hmm. funny voices and stuff. So I would say that stories are a big part of our family. And I would also say just doing things 
together that are really fun. I feel like we're, we try to be very purposeful with our time. So not that we plan a lot of things. Our schedule isn't really packed full, but I feel like we have a lot of open time to just be creative together. So there's mm-hmm. lots of playing tag, cards, wrestling matches, acting out things, just lots of plain pretend. My kids are in a really fun stage where they love doing that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm enjoying this season. So that's probably what I would say that we would be known for as a family. Oh, that's great. All right. So you're here to talk to us today about your new book. So obviously you guys are big readers if you're a writer. Yes. <laughs> so your new book is called The Anxious Lily. So why don't you tell us a little bit about it and what led you to write it? Sure. So The Anxious Lily is a story of a lily named Lola who pokes through the ground one day and realizes that she has no petals, no leaves. She has absolutely nothing to wear. And she immediately starts spiraling and imagining all the terrible, horrible things that could happen without clothes. You know, what if the wind comes? What if there's storms? What if there's rain? And she's just panicking. And so she decides to take matters into her own hands and starts to make her own wardrobe to prepare for all her worst fears. So she's making clothes with blades of grass and silk from a silkworm. And she makes raincoats, rain boots, an evening gown, all kinds of different outfits. And all the while that she's making these things, she is bent low to the ground and she's missing out on the fact that she's growing and she has petals Mm. that are, that are growing. All the other lilies around her are enjoying just being lilies and she's missing it. And so it takes the truth from a kind friend to help her realize that God's already met all of her needs. So this story, I, I personally have struggled with anxiety most of my life on and off as, as many of us have. And my pastor one Sunday was preaching on Matthew chapter six, which I've read so many times in my life. But for some reason that day, it just stuck with me. And, you know, in in that passage of scripture, Jesus is talking about how even the lilies are clothed with glory and beauty. They're dressed finer than kings and they don't have to make their own clothes. And so I just got this really funny mental image of a lily bent over trying to like sew on uh, Mm -hmm. with needle and thread. And I was like, oh, that is so funny looking in my mind. But then I was like, oh, wait, that's what I do when I'm trying to go down every avenue in my head of what could happen or might happen. I'm, I'm bent over in worry and mm-hmm. I'm missing out on the world around me. And so that's kind of where the inspiration from the story came from. I went home after church that day and just started scribbling and writing down some ideas. And it led to Lola the Lily. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So you touched on comparison, which is a big issue and it's really easy for kids to fall. I mean, it's easy for all of us, but especially kids. So how can we as parents help our kids find freedom from that and and avoid comparing themselves to others and doing exactly what Lola did? Right. Sure. That's such a good question. And I think in our world today, and even like in Christian circles, we've kind of made comparison into sort of like a dirty word. Uh, We Mm -hmm. want to avoid comparison. I know there's that famous quote, I forget who said it, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. And I definitely think there's truth to that. But I also think it's important to draw the distinction between healthy comparison and unhealthy comparison. And so the unhealthy type that we see nowadays, you think of social media, you're, it's representing a false reality. You're looking at someone's life and saying, oh, why can't I be like them? Why don't I look like her? Why is my house not pristine like that? 
But what we're seeing, what we're presented with in those contexts is not reality. And Mm -hmm. so, of course, that's going to suck the life from us and the joy. And our kids can experience that too. But I think a great way to redirect our children when they're experiencing some of that internal angst, that comparison, is to remind them of who they are. And ultimately, you know, as image bearers, we were designed to compare, to compare to a degree. You think about, you look at scripture, scripture is full of examples of comparing ourselves and seeing how we measure up against the law, right? And we all fall short and we all are in need of a savior. So that's a perfect opportunity to point to the gospel. But also you look through Jesus's life, even like the apostle Paul's life, how many times did they say, imitate me, look at me Mm -hmm. and watch what I'm doing and see how you can grow and become more Christ-like by following me. And Mm -hmm. you know what a gift God has given us that he's made us all different with different strengths and abilities, and we can learn from each other. And so I think practically what that can look like with children, for example, if you have a son who's playing sports, he's playing on a baseball team or something, and he's like, oh, John on my team is so good. He's so much better than me. Like he can throw better. He can hit better. Oh, like why does he have to be so much better? Well, instead of, you know, glossing over an observation that they made, you know, we can ask the question, okay, is that observation true? And then we can say, well, what is it about John that you admire? What are his skills that you admire? And well, he can throw really well or he can hit really well. Well, then maybe you can get to the source of that and say, well, if that's something you would like to develop in your own skill set, maybe we can practice more or maybe we can invite John over and we can throw together. Mm -hmm. And so that way you're pointing them to potentially learning from a friend, celebrating that person's successes and maybe developing a characteristic or a skill in their own life. I mean, I've, I've seen that in my own life too. Uh, One recent example for the longest time, I would look at some of my friends who can bake bread from like sourdough bread from scratch. And I was like, that is so cool. I wish I could do that. Like, I don't have the discipline to do that. And finally, I was like, well, darn it, Mary, if you want to learn how to make bread, then make bread. And so I asked some friends, can you teach me? Can you give me pointers? And over a few months, I learned how to make bread. And so that's something that I could have shut down by mm-hmm. saying, oh, well, don't compare yourself you know, you're perfect just the way you are. But, you know, God wants us, you know, the whole process of being a believer is that sanctification, right? You know, mm-hmm. we need to be moving and growing throughout our lives. So I think that would be that's a long answer to saying there's healthy and unhealthy comparisons. And so mm-hmm. trying to point our children to Jesus, he's the ultimate one we want to be like. So looking for those things, those fruits of the spirit that we want to emulate in others. And then maybe redirecting them when we're comparing ourselves to things that we shouldn't want to be like, Mm -hmm. I think can be super helpful. Yeah, I love that approach to coaching them through, like getting to the root of their comparison. Is this good comparison? Is it healthy? Is it unhealthy? Where is it coming from? Because oftentimes, sometimes they just need to walk through it and they can say, actually, I don't want to be like her. I want to be like me, you know, and sometimes they just need somebody to, excuse me, to talk them through that. Yeah, so I love that. Approach. Yeah, and I think acknowledging that it's a legitimate observation, because mm-hmm. I mean, throughout our whole, you think about kids in school when they're from a very young age, they're taught to do compare and contrast assignments, right? To notice differences. So, like, it's in our blood to notice things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I don't. There's no reason to shut it down, but yeah, just to stimulate that conversation can be so helpful. Yeah. 
So, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about God's sovereignty because I do have children that play sports and there are some people that are so gifted and no matter what you do, like you may not, ju- you just may not be gifted in that area. Not even gifted, but like they're just built differently and they're wired differently and things come more naturally to them. And I have a good, really, really good friend of mine. We started running. I was three or four years ahead of her in my running and she comes along and now she's doing half marathons so much faster than I could ever do them. And I'm like, but that's not fair. I've been (laughs) doing it longer. And it's just, that's the way she's built. And so going back to this idea of God's sovereignty, he didn't create us to be all the same for a reason, right? So our journey is not going to be the same. So let's talk about God's sovereignty and helping kids understand and embrace who God specifically created them to be. And and mm-hmm. yes, I am all for building skills and practicing and putting the work in. But what happens when our story is different from someone's story? How do we walk our kids through that? Yeah, and that, that's so true because, you know, it makes me think of that movie, that old movie, Rudy, you know, the mm-hmm. football player who he's like, I'm going to play Notre Dame football. And he goes through years and years of trying and he finally gets in at the very end because he's not good enough to be in when the stakes are high. They put him in when the game's already won and they carry him off screaming. But if you think about that movie, it's like, well, he still wasn't very good. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, ultimately like, yeah, work, you know, hard work is great, but maybe he should have used his skills somewhere else. And, you know, of course that wouldn't have been a very interesting movie if it had done that. Right. But it's so true. And I think, you know, it is important to, I know we as parents, we want, we see our kids and we think they're the best things in the world, right? Yeah. And we want to encourage them with their interests, but we'd also be doing them a disservice if we, you know, weren't honest about, you know, where their skill level or maybe where they're putting their attention. Mm-hmm. So as far as God's sovereignty, I think one thing that is super helpful is knowing, drawing the distinction between the why and the who. And so what I mean by that is there's going to be a thousand questions we have in our lives whether it's about, you know, why did God make me this way? Or why does she have that skill? And I don't, or it may even be those tougher questions of why did this happen? This yeah. isn't fair. Why did, why did this bad thing happen to me or to my friend or, or whatever? There's always going to be questions of why. And unfortunately, there's going to be so many questions we'll never get the answers to here on earth, or maybe, you know, maybe ever. And so we talk a lot in our house about the why versus the who. And so I think a helpful example to use with children and with adults is so imagine a person in your life that you trust more than anyone else. So for me, I'll just say my mom, I trust her implicitly. I've obviously known her my whole life. I trust her character. Um, I know she keeps her promises. I trust her. So imagine if I was home one day and all of a sudden my mom burst into the front door and said, Mary, I need your car keys. I need your credit card. I'll explain later, but I just need them right now. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say, well, hold on, let's sit down, explain (laughs) to me where you're going, how much gas you're going to use, you know, all these things. I would say, here's the keys, here's my credit card. I'm praying for you. I'll talk to you later Mm -hmm. because I know her. I don't need to know all the why, the answers to the why's. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in the same way, when we know who God is, when we study his character, when we dive into his word and we learn that he always keeps his promises that he's trustworthy and faithful, that he's close to the brokenhearted, that he made us with a purpose, Mm. fearfully and wonderfully. When we know him, we can say in those moments of why, I trust you, God. I don't need to know this answer right now. 
And that is so hard to do. Like, and I've, I've walked through some dark seasons where I've had to finally say, God, I just trust you. But I think that's so crucial for children to know, to know that things aren't going to be okay because mom and dad said so. Things are going to be okay because God said so. And yeah. he's the ultimate authority. And, you know, if we're not teaching our children that scripture is the infallible word of God, and if we're not reading it together, they're going to have a hard time believing that because mm. they don't know him. And mm-hmm. so just like if I never spent time with my mom, if we were estranged, I probably wouldn't trust her because I don't know her. So mm-hmm. I think that can be a really helpful way to communicate that with children, because yeah. sometimes you're just, we're just not going to have an answer. I mean, there are so many times I have to say, I don't know, but I, I trust God. And I think that that is a place, a place of rest. When we finally get there, it can be a place where our souls can rest in that peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Contentment. That's what I'm hearing you say, like understanding God, his character, and then having contentment in that. And that really is a mindset. Can you talk us to us more about cultivating that? Is it just reminding ourselves that God is good or is there more to it? Sure. Yeah. It's so easy to say that, right? God is good. God is good. But what does that look like practically? So my children are ages eight, six, and two. So they're mm-hmm. still pretty young. And so this might look a little different for each stage, but I know for this season of life that we're in, one thing that we really try to put an emphasis on is thankfulness and gratitude. Because in Philippians 4, when Paul is talking about anxiety, he says, don't be about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And again and again, we see how gratitude has like a direct line to contentment and helping to battle anxiety and fear. And so... I mean, on a practical note, that can look like, honestly, having a chalkboard or a place on the wall where you write down every day the things you're thankful for, the good things in your life. It can be a journal. I know that we talk a lot about James chapter one, where it says every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. And so, I mean, I think it's like creating this mindset that you cannot separate anything good in your life from God. So when you're outside and you're playing on the swing set, God gave us this gorgeous day. God didn't have to make swinging fun, but he did. What a gift. Like what a good God. Just taking everything you do and pointing it back to God, because that's where it came from. I think that can be so, so helpful. And, you know, scripture, I know I keep mentioning scripture, but I truly, truly believe that it's our lifeline and it's the one source we can point our children to. So I think that looks like memorizing scripture together. Whether it's a scripture card or putting it on their bathroom mirror and just making it something that you talk about. I know in Deuteronomy, it says to talk about these things with your children when you're sitting down, when you're standing up, when you're walking on the road. And it's so, it seems a little like too, like, but really, but where's the self-help tip in there? Like what else? But like, I think that's been transformative for our family's life, honestly, because you see again and again in scripture where it talks about taking your thoughts captive. And how one thought can lead to another thought and another thought. And so if we can train our children to take thoughts captive and to redirect our thoughts to Jesus, that can really stop the spiraling of discontentment Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. anxiety or anger. And gosh, I'm an adult, like I'm in my thirties and it's still, I'm still learning how to do that. So I think it's, you know, having that patience and knowing that it's not a one and done thing with our children. Mm -hmm. It's giving them the tools to respond to these feelings and emotions that will come up so that they can handle it, you know, when they're on their own someday. 
Yeah. Let's circle back to anxiety. I know that it can impact so many areas of our life. How can parents model healthy ways of handling anxiety? I know because, you know, I want to give my children these quick fixes and these answers, but I oftentimes struggle too. So what are some of the things that parents can do? And and then how do we create a supportive system, a supportive environment for our children to then deal process with their anxiety? Yeah. It's so funny. I think we as mothers want those quick fixes. We want to be able to check it off our list and say, all right, my child is now fully equipped to deal with fear and anxiety or whatever. But the neat thing is that God has designed our brains in such a way that we can look at the science and kind of like work with our brains to help fight against anxiety. So for example, you talked about modeling it. One thing we have, we talk a lot about in our house is like what's happening in your brain when you feel anxiety or fear. And so basically the place in your brain, the front part, I'm going to do layman's terms because I'm not good with all the (laughs) the specific scientific names, but the front part of your brain is where you make rational decisions. It's where you can think clearly and logically about something. But when you feel that that twinge of anxiety, blood starts to move from the front of your brain to like the center of your brain in the center where you process fear. And so that's what we refer to as like the fight or flight. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what happens is quite literally your child and adult are less able to think clearly when anxious because Mm -hmm. blood is moving away. And so, okay, well, practically, how do we move the blood back to the front of our brain? Because God's so creative. He made it that way. So, okay, we know that. And so one thing we do a lot in our house, both, both me and my husband and the kids together, is deep breathing. And so that can be hard to teach to young kids. But what we do is we say, okay, imagine your favorite food, which as I mentioned, is pizza. (laughs) So we have that big pizza in front of us and we're going to smell it as deeply as we can because we can't wait to eat it. Big deep breath and we blow it out and we smell Mm -hmm. it three times. We're just imagining it. And so quite literally, when you're deep breathing, you're moving that blood back to slow down Mm -hmm. the racing thoughts, to slow down the fear. So that's one thing we do together. And then also putting words and naming feelings is so, so helpful. I know for like younger kids, it can, you can even print, you can go online and print like feelings charts or maybe like facial expressions to go with feelings to help children identify what they're going through. Mm-hmm. To use the word anxious and to define it, use the word fear and define it. I know when I was a kid, I remember feeling like I was in knots all the time, but I didn't know what to call that. And I didn't know how to like express it. And I think one nice thing about, you know, our world today is that we're becoming more aware of the importance of mental health and acknowledging, you know, our needs in that regard. So I think that there's so many resources, just free resources online to help help us name those things, whether it's a visual chart or just a conversation at the end of the day where mm-hmm. we say, I feel fill in the blank because yeah. fill in the blank. When our kids see our parents doing that, saying how they feel and not being embarrassed about those feelings, it can really model what they internally need. Mm-hmm. That freedom, feeling safe enough to express what they're nervous about can be so helpful. Yeah, I like that. I've seen a difference with my kids if I'm struggling with something, if I just take a moment to say, 
I am feeling like X, Y, and Z, and I really need this right now, as opposed to them feeling like they don't know what's going on with mom. They have to tiptoe around me. Like, hopefully I'll, she'll get over it and put food on the table. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and, and another interesting thing that I think that I've learned lately and over the years is even us as adults, we have such a limited emotional vocabulary and we tend to use the same couple words over and over yeah. again when really there's so much more to our range of emotions. And mm-hmm. I recently re- read uh, Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart and there was just the way she broke down the definitions of some of these emotions. I was like, yeah, like, yes, like there is a nuance to them. And once you have that vocabulary that you can name it, it makes a world of difference. And so I'm trying to expand my emotional vocabulary so that I can share it with my kids because always saying I'm frustrated or annoyed is just right. not enough. <laughs> yeah. We, we tend to fall back to the same words. You're so right. It's like mm-hmm. when I say, be careful, be careful all the time, you stop hearing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's so good. And it's very empowering to be able to say, I feel this. And mm-hmm. like you said, I need this. So it's, it's equipping, you know, them with the skills they need. Cause like, unfortunately, anxiety is going to happen. Like it's mm-hmm. just going to, that's, that's a certainty. Um, yeah. And so empowering them with the skills, skills to respond in an appropriate way. Like I know one thing, one of my children used to struggle with when he was feeling nervous or scared running, just taking off and running. And, you know, that could be dangerous <laughs> in certain situations. And so depending on where you're running and so it's one of those things where I think it's so helpful to acknowledge the behavior and say, well, we see that that's not working. What ideas do you have for maybe a different way we could respond when we're feeling the urge to run? And so mm-hmm. whether that's deep breathing or having something we're squeezing or mm-hmm. using those words, I need a moment, please, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, that way, they're the ones who are handling the problem because we're not mm-hmm. always with them when that moment strikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We recently had Bonnie Gray on the podcast and she talked about one of the best things you can do is do something with your hands. Mm. What did you just say? Squeezing something? Is that what yeah, like, yeah. Like squeezing yeah. a ball or, or, yeah. something, or just tension, like having that resistance. Yeah. Like yeah. just doing something or creating something or just engaging and, and that releases a lot of the stress. Yeah. What, so, there's yeah. one rule they say, I think it's the three, three, three rule where it's like name three things you see three things you smell or three things you hear. It's like engaging your senses Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to help kind of slow your body down. So three things you can touch and, and that way you're kind of taking a moment to, to distance yourself from reaction. Because ultimately, you know, scripture tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things. And so, you know, a lot of times when the Bible is talking about the heart, it's talking about feelings and emotions and they're good. They're so good and they're important, but we can't always trust them. And so I think that's a good thing to empower our kids with too. Like, I know you're feeling, you know, fear or, mm-hmm. but let's go back to reality and yeah. remember what's true. Um, yeah. But yeah, all those things our kids are going to need all through life. And um, I feel like I'm still developing a lot of those skills too, which helps me be patient, you know, with yeah. them. Well. Yeah. Yeah. And I have older kids and it's a constant coaching, like as they get older, just walking alongside of them. So it's an ongoing process for sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So as we wrap up, do you have a personal experience that you can share with us that really illustrates the power of faith and prayer, contentment and and challenging circumstances? Yeah, absolutely. So the funny thing is when I wrote this story, Anxious Lily, it was 2018 when I first wrote the first draft. And 
I wrote it based off some experiences I had with anxiety. But the next year, 2019, so I mentioned I have three children, but I also have three children in heaven. And so in 2019, I became pregnant with twins and we lost both of them. And then later in that same year, I became pregnant again and we lost that baby too. And so I had not experienced anything like that before. And I know if any, anyone who has dealt with pregnancy loss, I mean, it, it is devastating. And so that really sent me into a time of deep anxiety. I mean, I was scared for my children who were living. I was, you know, constantly checking on them and yeah. overanalyzing everything I did. You know, is, was this my fault? Is something going to happen to my children now? Will it be my fault? I mean, it was not a fun place to be in. And I'm so thankful I had a lot of people in my life to help me and remind me of what is true. But bringing it back to, you know, what you were saying, an example of, of prayer and faith and, and everything. I've mentioned scripture a lot, you know, during our conversation. I can honestly say that if it weren't for the word of God, I would still be in that dark place. I would not have been able to come through on the other side. And I actually read that manuscript of the anxious Lily a ton during that time too, because I realized I was like, I had so many feelings. I need to know what is true. Like I needed to be grounded. And so it looked uh, if I go back and look in the margins of my Bible, I have so many notes written of the feelings I was feeling during that time of missing my babies and wondering why, that question of why. And my husband was great about saying, you need to remember who God is. And so I just lived in scripture, even when I didn't feel like it, when I didn't want to. And I was had so many questions of God, asking him why and asking him to explain, which is a scary thing. It's a scary like situation to be in when you've, you know, like I've been of my life. And all of a sudden I was asking all these questions like, God, do you see me? Do you love me? Like, do you hear me? And his word said yes to all of those things. And so it was that time of saying, okay, I don't feel it, but I know who you are, God. Your word says you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that means I can trust you. And sometimes, a lot of the times, our calling is just to obey, to read and obey. Mm-hmm. And do what God's called us to, whether our heart feels in it or not. And I, you know, I still I can't sit here and tell you, oh, this is exactly why that that happens in that year of my life. I don't have an answer for that. But gosh, I know God is good, and I know He loves me. I know my children are waiting for me. I'll meet them someday, and I know that their lives had purpose, regardless of how long they were, how long their hearts were beating. And I can I finally got into a place where I can say that's enough me where I can say it as well (laughs) with my Mm. soul. And so that's what I would say. And, you know, there was no magical formula other than going to reminding myself of what is true and going to the word of God. I think that's everything. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. I am so excited Uh, for our listeners to get a hold of your book, because I do think this is an important topic, our our children's mental health and their peace, especially now where we hear stories and we hear studies that say that kids deal with this. And so I think it's going to be really helpful. Oh, thanks. Thanks so much for having me today. You can find Mary at maryholloman.com. She's also on Instagram as Mary Holloman. I'll link to that plus where you can find her on Facebook as well as where you can find her book in the show notes. 
hope you've enjoyed the show. If so, I'd like to ask a favor. Can you head over to iTunes and leave us a review? Besides sharing this podcast with your friends, leaving a review is one of the most effective ways that you can support us and help get the word out about the incredible resources we have to offer. I'm passionate about helping families thrive and your reviews help families find us. And remember, family culture isn't about perfect, it's about purpose.